up, everybody? Welcome back to the Underdogs Podcast. Moving on to episode number 15 now. My name is Jordan Daly. With me, as always, we got NBA vets Craig Smith, Mike Taylor. Say what's up, guys. What up, what up, what up? Going on, where up? Craig, I'm going to pass it to you to introduce the guest of the week. Yes, this is a special guest. He goes by the name of Thomas Scott. Uh, right now, he is at the top of the big three operations and personnel. Not only that, he is from Los Angeles, California. And not only that, he sees the top of uh, the G League as the night uh, elite. He's like the GM. Um, want to give it up for LA Zone, Thomas Scott. Please welcome to the Underdogs Podcast. Yo, what an intro, Craig. Mike, <laughs> man, happy to be here. Uh, man, I didn't really think about it like that until you broke it down <laughs> like that, Craig. Um, but yeah, man, I just want to support what you guys are doing, you know, and, and help you guys take this to the next level, man. You guys know I'm already a big fan of you guys as individuals and as ball players, you know. So, you know, um, thank you for having me on. Man, a pleasure. Pleasure is ours, bro. Um, so we're going we gonna to hop right into it, man. Let's talk about your upbringing. You know what I'm saying? Um, how your household, your siblings growing up in L.A. Um, walk us walk us through that time right there, just how you, how you was raised and everything like man, that. Man, you know, um, during that time, I'm born in 82, so... 80s were popping, you know, in L.A. in, in a lot of different ways, you know what I mean? Uh, but the, the main thing that was, you know, my family was basketball and, and you know, love and all of that. And, and a lot of sacrifice, you know, that came with, you know, my dad and, and his commitment to playing pro ball and you know, being from the city and then they're playing for championships. So it's a whole nother uh, mindset, a focus. He, he wasn't, a, you know, on a losing team, you know, so. You know, it was attention to detail every day. And, and you know, every day's, you know, you couldn't call my house. We had a phone off the hook because it's game day or we might be eating the same type of dinner because that's the food that one night he might have had a great game or it gives him the best energy. So, we, I mean, we had pork chops all the time at one time, you know, <laughs> and potatoes and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, you know, just it was just a lot of basketball, man. I was just very fortunate to be raised in that in that time and and then to be in LA for as long as we were uh, as you guys know after a couple of years you kind of bounce around a different team so I was able to get a good foundation uh, within the neighborhood I grew up in my family my friends and um, you know really got a, a sense of being from LA you know as we got older we moved around a little bit um, but it's funny, those times of being a kid, man, like guys like Pooh Jetter, um, you know, I remember just growing up and, and, and traveling teams, you know, Trevor Reza, all those different dudes, you know, and then dudes blow up and, you know, playing the league, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's been dope to see, you know, you know, the evolution of basketball from the city and being around here and being in the gyms, getting a lot of love in the gyms and, um, yeah, man, just coming up, it was just a lot about school, basketball, and love. You know, like, I love to play ball. I love to be around it. I love to be around the locker rooms, the 
Um, but as much as I wanted to play, Pops would not let me play if my grades were terrible. So, you know, he, he, he kept, you know, school first and, and, and um, God first and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, sometimes it doesn't even seem real now that I look back as an adult to be able to kind of, I'll give you guys a funny story. So uh, growing up, I used to always go to the Laker locker room, you know, Magic and Kareem and James. It was like family members to me. So you Man. see a family members all the time. It's no big deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so one time I was, okay, so the trainer, Gary Vitti, who's been around forever, he had a basketball hoop like over his desk, like, Mm -hmm. I used to go back there and, and like to play. You know, I'm a little kid. I was shooting, messing around. I'm all in his way or whatever. So I have some of my friends come to a game and we go into the locker room, right? I'm like, yeah, man, let's go to the back. Let's go to the back. And I run to the office where Gary Vitti's stuff is the hoop, thinking they wanted to play. And they're mm -hmm. like stuck in awe because they never seen Magic Johnson up close or James. And, right. you know, like, and to me, like at the time, they were like family, you know, and then my, my dad had to like, hey, Thomas, like you have to introduce them like they don't know, you know, these guys. So I just kind of grew up in the in the space and, and I was very thankful to be able to ask questions. You know, I asked a lot of questions. I wasn't a shy kid, you know, um, funny just being involved in player development. I just kind of took a lot of the questions I asked when I was a kid and 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 remembered a lot of the things I try to apply to myself as a player but then the other young players or current players you know being able to ask Magic or uh, Jason Williams like what do you do to practice passing you know mm. and they just tell me or like uh, Reggie Miller you know I'm 13 my pops was playing for the Pacers and I was I was playing AAU ball and I was in a slump could make a shot so i was able to ask reggie like hey man like how do i get out of slump and he he told me what i should do really what you guys do all the time is work on your shot from close range and get your your form shooting in and back up and back up and just see the ball going through the net so like you know th that type of access man honestly like when you look at Steph Curry right now, right? right? The way he's playing, like Clay Thompson, the way they play together, like they've been exposed to so many things early to know mm -hmm. and feel like what it takes to be a pro, asked a lot of questions, saw a lot of workouts. Like I look at them and I'm like, yo, like they embodied everything like I had or, or you know, I was able to experience. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it took them to a whole nother level, you know, like, you know, going probably they probably had access to the to the to the uh, training facilities, like just like their dad did. You know what I'm saying? They're going as much as dad is going and they getting shots up on the gun before we even were able to know what a shooting gun was, you know, stuff like that. That's true. You know, so um, but then that mindset of just seeing, you know, different guys like the stars, how they how they carry themselves, how they prepare themselves and the role players and the guys that aren't there next year that are here this year or the guys that continue to stay on the team. Okay. These are the guys that they're doing something right here. Like, what are they doing? Like, and you get a chance to maybe go to a practice on a Saturday and see how they actually prepare, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, 
I know I'm kind of rambling on this, but it brings back a lot of memories. Yeah, and and since you explained kind of growing up with the with the NBA dad, kind of elaborate like a little bit more on like how did it change you or prepare you for your adult lifehood or just for life in general? Like how did that experience like change things for you in your thought process going forward? Yeah, you know, I got to give my dad a lot of credit, you know, because, I mean, Craig, you play for the Clippers. You're from the town, right? There's a lot of challenges, different things that come with just being in the city, right? And then coming from Inglewood, California, where the Lakers were playing their games, like he's literally like blocks away growing up. And, um, you know, having the focus of really wanting to play for the Lakers and really made a decision early to create, you know, proper habits to become a pro. And then when, as I was, you know, born and growing up, he had a lot of um, routine habits that were great. You know, like he, he literally worked out like two, three times a day, you know, Um, got his cardio, got his lifting in, like didn't miss a day, you know, Uh, up early, punctual, you know, I would want to go to practice with him He's like, hey, I'm going to leave here at 7.30 a.m., not 7.31, not 7.32. I come down 7.30, he's gone. You know what I'm saying? I see the car leave. I'm like, Dad, I'm here. He leaves. You know, as you guys know, working in the pros, if you lay for the bus, if you're on time for the bus, you're late, and they're going to leave you, and you're going to get fined. So, like, little stuff like that, just understand, okay, if Dad says 7.30, I need to be – downstairs in the car at least five ten minutes earlier you know what i'm saying and so like learning that and then it reoccurs as an adult um you know just the focus attention to detail how he how he was able to you know write his goals down and put them in a place we could see him every day so you know i do the same thing you know what i mean so um that it was like a major advantage. And then, you know, just even if he wasn't a ball player, just to see, you know, the professionalism somebody would take in their craft, you know, and then no matter what I decided to do with my life, those fundamental things, you know, We're are going to be yeah. yeah, they're always going to be there. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, Mike, I know you always going to get your work in. You know what I'm saying? You got kids. You're going to. Cause you know the, the the guy you may go against may be even going harder. So Fair. your kids are seeing a, a constant mm-hmm. daddy's gonna go to the gym. Daddy doesn't eat all these sweets. Daddy drinks a lot of water. Daddy, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Daddy's stretching. Daddy's icing. I got to see all of that stuff every night. My dad would ice. You know, he would get a deep tissue massage, uh, massage sometimes coming over um, mm-hmm. in the off season. Yeah. He didn't really touch a ball for a while. Right. And I was just talking basketball stuff like he would be at UCLA on the track running like doing like sprints and just nonstop running. And so like a funny thing was like uh, Eldon Campbell, right, from Inglewood, play for the Lakers. Uh-huh. He he would he tried to you know work out with my dad in the offseason and he quit like after a week. <laughs> then you got guys like Reggie Miller, right? He's at UCLA. My dad's working out in the summers at UCLA, so he's seeing him, you know what I mean? And he's a Southern California guy as well. He started working out with my dad on the summer on on the on the on the uh running the stairs and 
just more so sprints and stuff like that. And you look at his career, right? Like how he was able to move and sustain and he's still in great shape. And, you know, there was a different level of conditioning, you know, that my dad took. And, um, and I, I got to see all of that, you know what I mean? And I run into a lot of young pros and, you know, I do a lot of training and different things like that. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is what you have to do. Just like if you guys were to work with anybody, like there's a good saying, uh, it takes what it takes. Like if you're not willing to do it, then, okay, you don't want to be a pro. Yeah. Somebody else going to take your dream. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, just having that and seeing that, that, that consistent hard work yeah. was uh, probably one of the best gifts that I was able to receive. Nah, like, like, like you saying, like you had that, that blueprint, you know what I'm saying? You had mm -hmm. that, that model that you could see. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just like, that's half of the, that's half of the battle. You know yeah. And um, so no, that's that's definitely like just you going into deeper into that aspect into your life. I can see how that discipline just trickles right down because you able to, yeah. you know what I'm saying, see the benefits of it. You see, you see it is working. So it's like, man, if it if it ain't broke, then why do I need to fix it? I know what I I'm gonna right. get out what I put in. You know what right. I'm saying? That's half of the battle. And, you know, it's like uh, when you know what's at stake, right? Like, you know, when you guys were on your, your journey to make it in the league, then you make it in the league, right? You, you, you have goals, right? Like, you know, for your family, your mom, maybe buying her house or different things, stuff like that. Like, you know, that you like, man, I, I got to stay on this, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, given what I do with the big three or – or um, uh, training somebody, coaching, whatever it may be, I know there's a lot at stake, right? <laughs> for myself, for the, the league that's dependent on me to follow through with this, that, or the other, a player that's trying to be involved in the league or anything that, like, you guys know may need. Like, I, I, I know what's at stake here. So having, being able to see my dad have that consistent work ethic and then take days off and things like that. Like I would not be able to do any of the things that I'm able to do right now, or even be recognized for what I have done. If it wasn't for that. Yeah. And that's, that's like a big thing because it's like you're wise and we got a, a, a great friend in common. My name is Anthony Davis. You know, he explains that um, when, when, mm -hmm. he's, when he's teaching his kids, what is your why? What is your purpose for going out here? And the the better you can acknowledge it at an earlier age, the better are you off with serving your purpose um, at an earlier age. And and what's That's cool true. is, and what's cool is that you brought up the fact about um, Reggie Miller working out with with your dad, which at the end of the day they ended up becoming teammates. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that and that just goes to show, like you know, just the power of connection, but the power of like low-key introducing somebody to like look you want to make sure you want to be in the the, the top tip-top shape like this is yeah. how it can be and then not only that like your pops is a champion so it's just like oh, why are you not going to take this information this is where you want right. to be mm -hmm. right 
And so, like, you know, obviously I fell short as a player. You know what I'm saying? But I love the game and trying to find my lane and my why. And then one day it kind of hit me, right? Like, I, I talked to you guys earlier about being able to talk to this guy, uh, Reggie Miller, about a slump or Jason Williams about ball handling drills or different things that he would do. Yeah. Um, being able to talk to AC Green about rebounding, you know, mm. all these different things, right? Like, yeah, it, it, it made me realize, like, oh, I have to pass this information on. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? That that is the purpose. That's I'm the vessel to transfer knowledge, mm. you know. Um, but along the way, as you're helping people, it seems somehow you end up helping yourself, you know. Right. And so I was I was just blessed with that access and then just to study, you know, and then uh, working in the league and working my way up in the league like my pops put me at the bottom position you know um in the video room as an assistant i had to work my way up for four years and i don't know man all, all that stuff man it just it just all goes together man you get your solid foundation from your dad and, and you're going through your childhood then you come to the point where it's time to play college basketball can you walk us through the point of you know what went through your head to like choose the school like what what was that decision making process and what was your college basketball experience like in, in total well, you know, for me, uh, it was it was cool. You know, I, I wasn't highly recruited, you know, uh, as, as I thought I should be, you know, or should have been or could have been. Um, I I do feel at the time I felt like a little underutilized in high school, <laughs> uh, but I scrapped. And so I still was able to receive a scholarship uh, from NAI school called Xavier, uh, Louisiana in New Orleans, um, mm-hmm. small school, HBCU for, you know, it's all HBCUs are like, you know, super cool. Like I love HBCU. I, I love my time there, you know, um, but at the time I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. I had some options, um, small schools couple d1 schools uh but i didn't really like what they were talking about the timetable for me to actual play actually play um and so my dad he kind of just told me he said do you want to be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond Mm. and that registered for me and made sense and i was like well i I, that's a big fish in a small pond so that led to my decision to, to go to xavier um, and it was cool. It was an adjustment because of the first year of my life where I couldn't play basketball because I had the red shirt, uh, mm-hmm. academically. And I hated it, you know, because I was around all this basketball, I could practice, I could, you know, work out. But then when it got to the nitty gritty, I had to be on the side and I want to, I'm about that action. I want to be in action, man. I want to play. And right. so, uh, it made some coaching changes and then, uh, I ended up transferring. I ended up going to JUCO. I went to Pasadena City in um, out here in California. And from there, you know, I kind of worked my way up to be um, first team all league, um, you know, played against, played some tough games, man. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know about the uh, junior college uh, scene out here on, on the West Coast. It's pretty serious. As you saw, you know, last chance you they had East L.A., 
You know, we were like one of those type of teams, a bunch of guys with a lot of talent, maybe, you know, made some mistakes or some great issues or different things like that. Um, and, you know, we we all ended up going to different schools and different things. But at, at the time, as well as I was doing, for some reason, I had lost the passion of the game, you know, and um, and it frustrated me, you know, and and and. And then I took a year. I started to get into like audio engineering and some other stuff, music wise and stuff like that. But then I missed the game so much. And so um, from that point, I was I asked my dad, like, if there any way I can work my way in, I would love to, you know, work because I missed the game if something opens up and something opened up and I got a chance to interview and they allowed me to do it. And then I realized that you know, opportunity I had in the video room doesn't come easy, you know, for a lot of people. So I wanted to make sure that I did a great job. Um, and so like, I, I, I missed playing past my sophomore year of, of, uh, college, um, ended up getting, you know, my credits later on, but, uh, I was taking a journey. Nobody that I knew was taking you know, and I didn't really know where I was going to go at the time. I didn't really know what I wanted to do really with my life other than work this job. But like, if you remember Craig, I ran into Craig when he was a rookie in Minnesota and I'm like a rookie in the video room in New, in Oklahoma city Hornets. And, you know, two different guys in a different, you know, lane, um, in, in a position I didn't even know existed in, in the NBA, you know, in the video room. And then, as I was working, I saw, you know, Spolstra gets a credit him coming from the video room, uh, yeah. Mike Brown coming from the video room. And then I realized like, oh, OK, this is a place where coaches get a chance. Future coaches can learn the game and how things go and mm -hmm. see personnel from college and how other coaches do their thing. And then Kenny Gaddison um, was like a head assistant. He sat me down and said, you have to figure out who you're going to be in five years, whether it's in this business or not. But if it's in this business, you have to figure out where you can make the best impact. And so from that point, I remember I was rebounding and helping guys, you know, doing some drill work and some skill work. And I said, oh, this is this is where I want to be right here. This is perfect for me. And so going back to, you know, the the, the thought of, you know, all the information I'm getting and I want to pass it on and I can be on the court. This is this is perfect. And then from there, I just kind of, you know, chipped away, man. Um, try to do well in one job so that when the next job comes, if there, you know, if, if somehow you have to get another one. They can reference back to see if you did a good job, you know, and um, yeah. in, in, in the business of basketball, it happens, you know, and. You know, it, it's a, it's the game we love, and so we we do whatever we can to to still be a part of it. You know, yeah. All and right. that's and that and that's cool because I feel like Pat Riley started kind of doing video too when he was right. starting out, figuring figuring out with the Lakers. You know, I didn't what I'm saying? know that that was crazy. Yeah, I, I saw that. So I saw that. Yeah. So now, you watch a lot of film. You watch a ton of film, so you see a lot of basketball. And not only that, then you get to see players' tendencies, habits, the flow of the offense, defense, 
the flow of the game, the situation, the tempo. Um, so, I mean, there's real, real knowledge behind that, that you're kind of like, after, after having so much crammed in your brain, you almost like a Morpheus in a sense, because you've watched so much film and it's like, Oh, I know this situation right here, or this situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's familiar. That's, that's the tape 85 I watched back in yeah. 08, you know? No, so, yeah, I mean, that's true. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And then what happens is you start drawing your own conclusions. You start critically thinking of why they do this. How do they do this? How would I stop this guy? Uh, why Why do they p- play with this system? Um, you know, uh, I, I learned, like, these coaches are brilliant. They don't get enough credit, even if they don't have the best records. You know what I'm saying? There, there may be other elements to why they're not winning, but, like, they are – brilliant minds in in how they try to figure out how to make five people play together on the floor and then managing the overall uh just um temperament of the team and so like you know you're able to watch and pick things up and then you 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 start to key in on certain people and certain things and you you, i don't know man you start picking up oh i want to see that again oh i gotta oh I, i can Oh, I want to try that move. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or, oh, I like that play. Not, I like that defensive scheme. You know, and if I get a chance to implement my thing, that's going to be in it. Like, you know what I mean? So that's going in my playbook. Those type of things, you know, you get to kind of you put together your own style. Yeah. You've been around a lot of great basketball minds, not just coming from, like, the coach's aspect, but also some of the players. Like when mm-hmm. you was, I know when when your pops was uh coaching for the for the Hornets. Mm-hmm. That was when uh Chris CP3 and 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 uh David yeah. West and everything. And that's when that culture started to 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 develop down there. And you was in the film room around those times. Yeah. You pulling all of those clips and all of that stuff together, like, okay, this is what's working. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. Bro, you know it's so. crazy, Mike. That's great. That's great you brought that up, man, because uh-huh. I was tripping out because I my job is to watch this team 24-7, right? And we didn't have any national televised games like that. Uh You didn't know how good Chris Paul was going to be, right? And so... I mean, I did because I used to watch Chris Paul when I was in junior college. I used to watch him at Wake Forest. I used to watch him. The first person, like, I watched a full, like, college game, like, really was watching it. It was Chris Paul. No, he was cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I followed him when he was in the league. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was going through my draft to going through the draft, I remember you being there with the Hornets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. but that's what I wanted. I wanted to kind of talk about that. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. mind frame of like CP and just, you know what I'm saying? I know you was around Kobe and the player development around there and yeah. the Lakers and stuff like that. All that. And, was, and that's just like basketball greats minds. But then the coaching and seeing it trickle all the way down into them executing it on the floor, like kind of like just go into that. Yeah. So, so, you know, I I talked about I like to ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and I still was like that. But the cool thing about Chris Paul was he just would share, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and you just needed to be listening, right? Like he would talk about how he manipulate the pick and roll and why he's doing it, what he's mm-hmm. looking at. And I'm like, oh, snap, this dude is really like dropping all the jewels. And, right. and, and so like I would see like I could see it coming, right? I could just see it coming. I was like, oh, okay, this dude. Uh, he's kind of like uh, Isaiah Thomas. Mm. Like he's kind of got like a little Isaiah Thomas and John Stockton to him. He's, he's kind of like he you can't stay in front of him. He always just finds the right guy, right? And and so at that point, he was I called like he was in his in his young dog mode, right? Like mm. where they don't have regard for their energy and you yeah. know you know like man I'm trying to hoop. Like you yeah, look at Michael sure. Jordan, all those dudes, they just going. You know, what I'm saying? Yeah. so he was just going. I mean, he was he was smart, high IQ as assist to turnover ratio. I never seen anything like that at that time. And but I was just tripping out that he was so nice, and we had no games nationally televised. So I was just calling homies, hitting people up like, "Yo, <laughs> this dude Chris Paul is on another level." And I'm like, oh, Chris Paul, yeah, I seen him a little bit away. I was like, "No, if you got league pass, watch this dude." <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And he made everybody better. And what I loved about David West, you know, he was old school, man. Like he was cut from that Carl Malone cloth, right? Like mid-range shots, uh-huh. elbow picking pops. He never missed them. Rebounding. And he worked his way up to being an all-star. So like it was just cool to see, like, he just being and around champion. pops and yeah, Tyson Chandler coming through. Mm-hmm. Like how he was telling me, like, we get Tyson Chandler and Rasul Butler and, you know, Janelle Pargo, whatever, we'll be a really good team. And he just like that, Pop said it just like that. And it was exactly what he said. They got Tyson at that time. You know, they didn't really know what he was, right? He mm-hmm. wasn't the most physical. He was light. But what he was, Chris Paul brought it it was just he maximized what nobody saw pop same thing like he was a rim roller high motor shot blocker that wants to run and if you look at my pop's dna from 80s lakers basketball they want to run and i told you that's how he you know did his thing so his practices were really hard because he had to go through that with pat riley Mm -hmm. but he knew the benefit of when you are in better shape than your opponent and you keep running, <laughs> they can't keep up. So, you know, you got Rasul, you got Chris, you had David, you had Tyson. And then the way they ran that drag, double drag, pick and roll, there's nothing you could do about it, literally. And then Peja on the other side and Rasul on the other side, dudes that can knock shots down. So it was it was starting to look like, like a, a band that just played great music. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. Chris Paul was like, the lead singer, <laughs> you know, and um, it was awesome, man. I just, I knew he was going to be like, after that first year, I was like, yo, this dude is going to be the best point guard in the NBA. Like if he's not right now, he's about to be real soon. And, um, you know, it was just cool to see that. And then looking back at that time and seeing, you know, everybody to where they are now, um, it's just amazing. And I'd just be thankful that I'm able to, See how that stuff come together. Yeah, man, you see it, Uh how it came together, you know, like, that's a beautiful thing, man. And, um, and I was just fortunate to have like the best, you know, 
almost like a reality TV vibe of like, mm-hmm. that's what it was. You know, seeing great players and teams and camaraderie and how they came together to to win games. You know, it was awesome. All right, so talking about the 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 mental mindset a little bit. How tough was it? Just making that decision um, from basketball, being the player, to actually going into the transition, um, you know, of, of coaching and training and and taking like a step down because you know that's a, that's a yeah. that's a humbling experience in itself. You know what I'm saying? To just be right. like, okay, it's not there no more for me, but this is still what I love to do. Can you just talk about that? Yeah. That, that mindset and that transition. That's a hard transition. It's, you know, it was not easy, you know, because I was still young, you know. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I might have been, what, 24, 23, mm-hmm. 20, somewhere like that, you know. So I was still young. And just like a young man, still, you know, I was finding myself, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, I stepped away from ball like I'm still, you know, athletic enough to still play if I wanted to continue to go. But I felt like I was also behind and it was going to be an uphill battle for me to really stick with a team or get back in in that regard. Um, but, yeah, I had to figure some things out. And I, by the blessings of God and, and, and my pops, he was able to bring me around that setting again and make a decision for myself of what I want to do in my life. And so, like, it's not easy to kind of, like, go from the habit of what we're used to, of our routines of training and playing, but you you take a lot of the elements of, of, of what it takes to be an athlete into whatever else you're trying to do in life, right? You still got to have discipline. We get up early, you know, uh, you got to work. Right. Like you, you ain't nothing worse than a lazy hooper. You're going to get busted at some point. I think that's all of our fears. If we take a day off or, you know what I mean? Somebody going to come in and embarrass me in front of my folks. So like, I didn't want to embarrass myself or my folks who who stuck their neck out to get me an opportunity. So it definitely took a year to figure out that my job was, um, it wasn't just a job. It was for me to figure out what I want to do within basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I really wanted to be a part of basketball and luckily I saw a lot of different roles to decide, you know, where I felt like I fit in best. Man. I think that's, uh, I think that's huge. Um, just for like the, the, the younger followers and listeners and, and viewers, um, mm-hmm. just touching in that space to like, you don't always have to be the basketball player, but right. the, 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 the family within the basketball is always room around it. And I don't think that a lot of the, the kids growing up, we just so attracted with being a basketball player. We don't look at the, uh, the, the, the coordination of the videos and we don't look at some of these experience as to being ways in being around like you go yeah you're gonna be treated just like the player you, you know don't even saying? know they exist 
Correct. You don't even know these roles exist. So, like, Facts. you know, I, I would I would hope somehow, maybe this is something that we should all do. I don't know. But there needs to be some type of exposure of positions in professional mm-hmm. sports. What they are just as in, not as important as a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, but we all know those are positions that is a career paths, right? Yes. Like there's other career paths within the game that we just don't know about. Correct. And it's not, it's not just general public, you know, or, or just like, you know, inner city, you know, we don't know. I didn't know what I operate, what the operations was until I started doing it. I didn't know what a video coordinator was until I started doing it. Like, you know, I didn't know, you know, you have, you know, your, your PR people, you know, your, your strength and conditioning coaches. Uh And, you know, like these are other roles that you can stay in for a long time. You know, that's what I was just going to say. And them, them, the, the, the head of the, the, the physio, the, the physio and all of that stuff, them guys rarely get replaced. They be in those positions for 20, 30 some odd years. The, exactly. the, the, the player personnel ladies and people that work behind the scenes yes. and all that stuff, they be there yep. for 30 years. Player you know personnel, like that's another one. Player personnel, like, you know, scouting, uh, GM, mm-hmm. assistant GM, um, you know, uh, equipment managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these are jobs, you know, that, that people have held for a long time. And, you know, if maybe it's not at the professional level right away, but you start high school, you got colleges, there's right. ways to get into these type of roles, right? Like mm-hmm. I remember, you know, now I think about it, like, remember you, you'd be in high school, you'd have somebody that keep your score or they travel mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. you know, on the road and different things like that. Those are the operations people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know that, but like now, like if you're a high school coach or whatever, uh, you can let them know like, Hey, if there's a career path, if you want to continue to do stuff, working and helping teams, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can, you can stick with this and turn this into that, but we don't know, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the awareness should be, um, up more in terms of, there are a lot of positions. I don't know if it's something the NBA needs to do or whatever, but like somehow we need to expose what kind of career paths, you know, people can take within sports. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's why I was asking you that right there. You know what I'm saying? Cause the, just hearing, you know what I'm saying? The steps that it took for you to go through to even be in the position that you are in today um, with being ahead of, of, of these operations, right? So it's like being able to expose these kids to something different within the game. Like you will still be able to have the same passion and the same enthusiasm, you know what I'm saying? Be, yeah. be on that same level with the sport, you know what I'm saying? But just being yeah. exposed to, to these different areas to where you can be successful, you got your pensions, you got everything to set your family up like but these are avenues that we're not thinking about so exactly that that was that's perfect bro like that's perfect and maybe it is something that we must do on our own to start bringing that awareness to the youth yeah and and maybe that's something like i need to take a note of just personally because 
it seems like, you know, I'm somebody that they can identify mm-hmm. with in terms of, yeah, yeah these are the jobs that I've worked. Yeah. Like, been there. You've done there. it. You've you know, done so it. it's like, you know, you got to understand that the, there are other things that you can do within this. And, and, mm-hmm. and there has never, I don't think there's been a person that has kind of like stepped to the forefront and be like, hey, guys, like to the youth, the, here's some other opportunities within basketball if you really love basketball but you know if it doesn't work as a player that you can still do or even after your playing days that you can still do so or prepare for while you're playing and yeah, maybe that's the thing. You know, uh, you kind of got my mind grinding a little bit. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm gonna keep you on that. I'm gonna keep you on that because <laughs> I like that. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of where my mind was at. That's why I kind of yeah. started to gear toward that. But let's hop back into it. Where we at, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know taking those next steps and looking at different career options. In 2010, you made your next step, going from a you know a guy in the video room, and then you go to a full on player development coach for the Cavs. How'd that transition mm-hmm. become a part for you? And, you know, what was that like? Uh, it was, it was cool, but you know, we, we lost, we were like, we had the longest losing streak, you know, and uh, it was tough because, you know, I finally get an opportunity to be a part of player development and we, our staff was great. You know, Jamal Mosley was head coach of Orlando, Chris Gent head assistant with, with uh, the Hawks and Joe Prunty had uh, some time as a head coach. Um, and, and, yeah, Nate Tib- Tibbetts. There's a bunch of guys, are great coaches, and we put in a lot of work, but we were just falling short uh, on on the wins. But um, the Cleveland Cavalier organization, man, that they're, they're top notch. They took care of us tremendously and allowed us uh, to have every resource we needed, and uh, we took advantage of it. Um, and you know, it it was fun to actually just get on the court with guys more. And uh, to get them ready, prepare them properly, um, and then also watching a lot of film. And it, it, it was I was making a step towards learning how to be an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's where I was trying to go. I think that's when I realized maybe, you know, assistant coach is my thing until I can figure out when I'm ready to be a head coach or something like that. And um, from there, it was like I said, challenging, but I got to learn about the G League a little bit, uh, D League at the time. And, you know, I had Christian Ainga and I would, <clears throat> uh, I would kind of like oversee him in the, in the, in the, in the D League and then, you know, work with him and then come back to the Cavs. And then the next year they ended up having their own G League team. And I was like the first employee they hired. Mm-hmm. And I, they told me, and this is how this kind of ties into the big three, really. And it's like, what do you think your role would be here with, you know, with the charge? And I was like, well, you know, a lot of stuff I do here, player development, getting guys ready, helping with practice plans, you know, putting together the, the team edits, personnel edits, player edits, things, things like that. And it was like, well, that's like 20% of your job. I was like, really? And they're like, well, we're going to, I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, we're going to need somebody to be in charge of travel, um, you know, per diem. Uh, guys are going to need rides to and from practice and games. Um, you know, we're going to need you to be the video coordinator um, and as well as, you know, coach and trainer is the normal duties you would do. And I was like, 
I'm taking IDs at the airport. I'm getting tickets. Like I'm doing fines, giving per diem. And I'm thinking like, man, what is all this for? Like, I, I mean, I, if I'm doing all this, I can run a team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know now I know how to run a team. Great. But, you know, I thought I was just going to be coaching. You know, fast forward, I, I'm, uh, I could run a team. And then, you know, my career takes the turns it takes. And then I work oh. with the big three. And I and Cube was more interested in the skills that I had in the G League doing all the other logistical stuff. Oh. And so, you know, I was thinking maybe small minded at the time, thinking a team. And then basically I was kind of handed not the keys, but I had to overlook the whole league, you know, and, and, and make sure, you know, everybody had that stuff on a, on a grander scale. So, um, those skills, man, I, I thought it was just for the job. I didn't think they were going to come right back and, and save my life, my family's life. You know what I'm saying? And it did. So, you know, there's no job that's like too small or, you know, think it's just a dead end, you know, you got to figure out ways on how those skills can translate to the next thing, you know. Let's go into uh, you being on a coaching staff with Kobe. Tell us something about that incredible mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not, not going too long into it, but we mm -hmm. know the mentality of Kobe. Um, can you just tell us something basketball related that you was able to take and and transition that into something that you do every day and then just something you were able to take from him just as a person, you know what I'm saying? That you was able to incorporate into your life every day. It's nothing, you know, that a lot of people don't know as far as the Mamba mentality, right. And what that stands for. Um, I have it up in my house, you know, to just, it's the, 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 to, to be the best version of oneself, you know what I'm saying? And pushing yourself to be the best version of yourself, you know? So that right there to me sums it up. And I think Kobe was just so brilliant into instilling his, his mindset and who he is as a person and as a brand that, that gave to so many, right? Like that mama mentality is going to live on forever. I, I would say that um, as far as like, you know, just personally, man, you felt like you were around greatness, man. And um, how he carried himself, he was real. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't hold back if something he wanted to say or somebody wasn't doing what they was doing. He didn't hold back. But his goal was never different. He wanted to win another. He wanted to win championships. You know what I'm saying? So he pushed guys, pushed himself, though. Mm -hmm. And so, like, to just see his work ethic, his you know, a lot of guys like to work out to music. He didn't want no music on. He was literally locked into the essence of the, the workout. Like, you know what I'm saying? And uh, just his, his attention to detail and focus of whatever it was, a rep, a free throw, or getting uh, his body right, lifting. Like, just seeing that, like, just attention to whatever that moment was. There's so many things that makes him special, but I, I think the thing that people cannot lose grip of was that he never ran from the work, even being a star or whatever, you know, family man, which, you know, as I got kids now, I see the challenges that could be, you know, it, it, not just as a pro athlete, but to try to be a great, he never ran from the work and he, he knew how to balance. He didn't sleep much, but he balanced everything. I thought, you know, really well, it still breaks my heart, you know, just talking, you know, remembering what happened in the family and everything with, uh, with him. He definitely left, behind 
he left the world with a lot of stuff that could help us all. And, um, you know, it, it's still, like I said, it breaks my heart, man. I can't lie to you. What was your initial reaction hearing that Q was starting the three-on-three basketball league? And what has it been like working with Mr. Yeah, yeah himself? <laughs> you know, it, it's cool. You know, uh, I, I was... I was watching it from afar, you know, uh, year one. And uh, I, I was like, man, this is cool. They got all these guys together, man. I haven't seen so-and-so playing forever. You know what I mean? And that right there I thought was just cool enough, you know. And then um, getting a chance to have an interview and he's, he's there, right? You see how serious he is, man, about this league and that it's not a joke it's not mixtape basketball it's real basketball you know and how much he wanted that um to reflect and so you know i had my meeting with him he let me know that and um i felt like i i, I was a good fit and uh by the, end of the interview he said man i think you got this man and I, I was really excited um you know and uh it was it was cool and then Working with him, I'm a guy, I like to, I like to see how people move, you know, uh, I'm observing on how people move when you had a certain stature and how you, you've achieved a certain level of success or whatever it may be. Like, how do you do your thing? Or even when you're amongst people, how do you treat people? How do you, you know, and, and I love, I love Q because he's consistent and, um, he's a visionary and, um, He's so professional. And uh, those are things I want I wanted I wanted to instill in myself, you know, and uh, anything I could learn from him, I'm trying to apply for my life for the rest of my life, you know. So he's on top of everything, man, from from you know, the games to where we playing to the jerseys to man, the NFT stuff, just everything, man. And then and, and all while balancing everything else he's he's got going that we probably just don't even know about. Could be writing a movie. Yeah. Could be writing another album. He's mm-hmm. touring. You know, he could be doing an acting role, but he still never loses the attention to detail for what the big three needs. So, like, just one of the best, I would say, I've ever seen to juggle and balance, you know, up close and personal, mm-hmm. you know. And being an L.A. guy, that just must be, like, crazy cool for you, too, to be able to, like, be right beside him, right? Man, listen, dude. Cube, it's amazing, man. My first date was was going to go see Friday. You know, I, I remember <laughs> having to take Rap and Check Yourself, How to Survive in South Central, all these different songs, man, doing talent shows with his beats in the background. It just never stops. Like, even the other day when I seen him at the draft, I said, hey, man, um, that documentary you did on the Lakers and Celtics was amazing, man. I never got a chance to tell you that, but it was amazing. Um, and and it's funny because I brought up, I said, you know, one detail I thought was really dope that you did was that when you narrated L.A., it sounded like L.A. And not like outside L.A. It sounded like, like <laughs> South Central L.A., the way he talks, you know what I'm saying? And how he was breaking down the Lakers. Like, that's how we speak. And especially when we're excited. (laughs) And, and then when they went to the Celtics, they had the Wahlberg uh, brother. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he had the Baston, and, and you like you gotta <laughs> feel like they in Boston, like this is how they. So I would imagine like he represented us well, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I I just had to compliment him on that, man, because he just constantly does dope stuff. And me personally, I just want to continue to do dope stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, that's that's fact. That's right. another yeah. great genius mind right there you know what i'm saying just speaking about just those minds like and then just just you growing up in that whole la inglewood type it doesn't seem real man yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) it doesn't seem real dude like i'm not gonna lie to you i trip out like craig you know man i i don't really speak on this stuff man you know um but yeah it trips me out i'm not gonna lie to you yeah, I remember last summer, my first time I went to the big three. Like he like casually walked past me, and I'm just like, hold up. Like, yeah. I Still cute. <laughs> yeah, cool. Still cute. cute. One of the most down to earth guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Shout out. Shout out Q. He's a real one. Definitely. He's a real one. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so thoughts about the league so far, the big three league, and where it's going and just how it's improving. Um just me personally, just seeing it since, you know, I've came into the lead in 2019, which the best, uh, <laughs> that's the best draft class ever. Um, <laughs> just seeing where the lead has been since you've been in it and seeing the improvement and the development and, you know, some of the things that I'm, I'm excited about is, you know, going into this NFT space and this ownership space. Like I'm excited about that. That's, that's, breaking and innovate new ways and then having the aliens being headed by bullet and the the, mm-hmm. the overseas presence that the lead is getting as a whole like mm-hmm. those are like major improvements so can you just like kind of like dive into those things and where you see it's going and, and yeah for, sh- for sure man like first and foremost man like you know you got to shout out the pioneers of the big three man you know right. like your Al Harrington's, your Kenya Martins, you know, your Chauncey Billups, you know, these guys are are, uh, Jermaine O'Neal's like these guys are pioneers, man. And I don't know if they really see it because, you know, maybe, you know, 10 years from now, five, they're going to look back at the big three, you know, and Mm -hmm. it all started with these guys, you know what I'm saying? And they made it work and they opened a door for a lot of, you know, guys like yourself and younger guys to continue playing if they still love it and and, and want to for yeah. whatever reasons they may be. Um, skill wise, I think it, it has it has went from more of a back to the basket, bruising, physical, you know, and you guys are in the lines, but um, just more of a a very like a stationary game. Uh-huh. Over the past few years it has gotten more perimeter oriented, right? And I would say your year you joined was the start of the change with guys like yourself and Will Bynum where, you know, a lot of people be afraid to draft the, the, the guards, you know, they're going to get posted up, but they got to guard you guys too. And you know what I'm saying? And if you can hold your own defensively, you have the advantage. So um, I just felt like it has emerged to being more about skill rather than just brute force. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you look at the draft this year, it's a lot of younger guys and yeah. a lot of hoopers that are hungry. And it's not, 
you know, guys trying to get away for a weekend or whatever. Mm -hmm. These guys are coming for blood. And it's a platform where the world can see, you know. So uh, I think, you know, getting Gilbert Arenas, you know, starting with with Gil and then Josh Smith and then uh, Joe Johnson. And then when that started to come, you know, the next year, Nick Young and, and all those things, Isaiah Austin, these dudes start coming, right? Next thing you know, like now we're, it's like, what can we do next? And then it's international presence. You know, Michael Beasley, Beasley. we all know Mike, you know, I, I'm so happy for him to be a part of our big three family, man. So we can, you know, lend our support for him in any way that he may need, you know, but also he's a hell of a ball player and seeing him on the court again and live in front of a crowd competing, uh, going up maybe against Joe, Gerald green, you know, these guys hopping in, uh, yeah. Glenn Rice jr. Like it's starting to get to a place where man, like you didn't see the big three last night. Oh man. You trip. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. It's getting there. To end off this podcast, as we do every episode, we got to know what is the biggest lesson you have learned throughout your entire journey? Man, I would say perseverance and the constant quest of you think you know who you are, but mm. um, you, you come to find out who you really are through adversity and um, and just coming up with a plan with that, you know, uh, I would say that's the biggest lesson, man, is just is perseverance. And um, and it's really like uh, love and respect. You know what I'm saying? You know, if I've been in positions, you know, where. Shoot. Uh, I'm working my way up. You know, and uh, shows people the same respect as if if somebody saw me as if I'm all the way up and, and I personally don't think that I'm there, you know, but still showing the same love and respect to everyone, you know, regardless of, you know, where you're at in life. Um, mm -hmm. And cause I, I, you know, I appreciate that, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I, I feel like, you know, perseverance in your journey, just know, you know, you, you're going to get knocked down, you're going to get back up and you have to have a plan within your journey you know, to, to persevere and then um, just showing everybody love and respect as you're on your journey. And um, yeah, man, that's, that's it. Awesome. That's going to do it for episode 15 of the underdogs podcast. Thank you guys for listening. As always, Jordan Daly, Mike Taylor, Craig Smith this week, Thomas Scott. See you guys next week. Peace. Hit that subscribe button. Yes. Appreciate you.